Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Welcome to the Paula Price Show. I am Apostle Ashley. Dr. Price is whatever she needs me to be. <laughs> you know, I think this is a real example of how we're supposed to be with the Lord. You know, we're all supposed to be his go-to person, especially as apostles or leaders in the kingdom. I need a go-to who, no matter what I say to do or need to have done, they're going to do it. I think it's so sad that we rob ourselves of one of the greatest aspects of a relationship with the Lord, which is him counting on us. We always uh, come from the perspective of what he says we can't do, what he says, you know, oh, the Lord, you can't do this and you can't do that, and not come from the uh, truth about all of the things you can do. When you talk about it, you go back and read Scripture, and what Jesus says, he lays down a whole list of what you can do in his name what you will be able to do by his hand, what the Lord did do with his outstretched arm. It's a shame. This is why God has given us the mic, because we have got to fix this mess. And we are the, uh, the fixers. We're the kingdom fixers right now. I think the mandate on apostleship right now is fixing the Lord's reputation, because what we have done is a tremendous disservice to him, and as a result, the people in his kingdom. When you go back, Look at your word from the perspective of everything you can now do in Christ that you couldn't do before. You couldn't cast out your own devil. You can't, you can't move your own shadow, so you know you can't cast out your own devils. You couldn't rise above. You can't do all the things that you could not accomplish before Christ. So we need to shift it. Sunday, no, hold on. Let me talk about the summit. Near Summit, New Era Apostleship Restitution Summit, November 20th through the 23rd, right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are talking about rising, the rise of the mighty one. We've got to be mighty in this fight. We're in a fight. This is a fight. Where we are, what we face, taking the lead. That is our overall theme in every summit we have. And this year we are the rise of the mighty ones. In June, we were confronting the darkness and facing off with the, the witchcraft and these uh, prophets of Satan. And now in November, we are going to talk about the rise of the mighty ones. What are we supposed to do? Doing greater work. How are we supposed to be mighty? What does that look like? I'm telling you what it doesn't look like. It's just a bunch of doctors slapping people around. What it doesn't look like is just yelling at everybody and going off on social media because you can't. What are we as a saint supposed to do to become mighty? We can't pull down strongholds without being mighty in God. We want to be mighty in doctrine. We want to be mighty in family. We want to be mighty in missions. But that's not what the word says that's going to pull down strongholds. And we're going to address it, right? It sounds like there's something going to rest. That's what we're going to address in November. <laughs> Somehow, some way, that will be addressed <laughs> at our near summit. To register when you call the Warren Place Double Tree Hotel, probably you asked me this question this morning, and so the information is fresh in my mind. For the, the room block, 
for sleeping rooms. You asked for the Near Apostolic Summit 2019. Near the Near Apostolic Summit 2019, and they will be able to pull up the room block and the rate. Get your rooms now. We say this every event. Reserve your room, especially if you know for sure that you are coming. Reserve your room. They don't charge your card until you check in, so you can put that there. It's not going to mess with your money if your money is funny, and even if it isn't. But you want to reserve your room. Why? Because the room block closes. It closes. It is a gift when the hotel opens up the room block after the cutoff date. I think the cutoff date uh, might be the beginning of November. I'll have to go back and double check. But you want to do that now. Here's why. If the hotel is full, like it was in June, then they have no options. We're out of room. So sometimes the hotel is just out of room. And we need to know as soon as possible if we have to expand. We always do. All right? So get your room now. But we're going to go all the way in on this subject. Uh, a myriad of things happening in November. We have our dignitaries dinner. We will be solidifying those details of who our keynote, our guest speaker is going to be for the dinner and the subject, the kingdom subject that they will be bringing forth. The dignitaries dinner will be in the hotel this year, not in a separate location. So if you're coming in town, you can get to the hotel check-in, and you'll be coming right downstairs to go to the dinner. Streamlining, love it. And then we have our event. We're going to be recording a praise and worship concert. This is going to be spectacular and amazing. And God's going to show up because he always does. He always does. And uh, anyway, I could talk about that all day long. So Sunday, Sunday, okay, this started last Thursday. We, Dr. Price addressed the issue of suicide in the body of Christ, specifically among leaders because we're having this epidemic of pastoral suicide. Sunday, she stayed on that train, and she said, I wasn't trying to stay here. I was not. We were going back to pedigree. And uh, that Sunday sermon is available for you to purchase online, to download, or to order the CDs. If you're in the Congregation of the Mighty Wednesday night, they were already ordering some. They purchased some last night. I told Dr. Price, I went back to edit, and I had to take a break. <laughs> I really needed to take a break at Sunday service, but she was still going. So, <laughs> But some people had to get up and walk out of the room and just go on and give God praise and holler and travail and then come back in and try and compose themselves. But um, some of the things that she said was churchians pick any death culture and theology that works as long as it makes them feel good about who they are, never changing and never becoming people of faith. Now, the Sunday before the pedigree lesson, Dr. Price addressed Abraham's faith and how his faith is a part of our salvation package, which is why it's such a problem with God when we don't have faith in him. Now, we don't believe in the people who let us down. We're going to believe in the systems that abuse us all day long. But all of a sudden, God has to prove himself for 55 eons before we might consider believing his word to be true. In our congregation, in our ministry, we differentiate between Christians and churchians. Christians are the ones who actually have been blood-bought by Jesus Christ, converted, being redeemed, salvation to the soul. The, Christa, the churchians are the saints who aren't saints, actually. They have been churched their whole life. You do anything for a long time. You know the language. You know the flow. You know the system. Uh, you meet children who grew up in households of musicians. Whether they play or not, they know the industry. They know the language. They know the people. 
but that doesn't make them actually accomplished in that field. You meet somebody who's raised in a military house, they can tell you military protocols, they can tell you how it goes, especially if their parent was an officer, uh, and even if not, they know, but that does not make them a part of the military themselves. So you can be raised in church, yes, you can raise your hands on cue, you can sing and know all the songs, you can cry, even quote scriptures up the front and down the back and not be saved. Like any other field, you can be immersed in something and still not be converted. You know, you can take a bath and you leave that water in the tub. <laughs> and some people just leave that Jesus right there in the church and they walk off without him. So she's talking about churchians picking any death culture. She also addressed the end of this sermon on suicide, death culture, right? Yeah. The, death, the culture of death is how she had it written on her slide. So I encourage you to look up and research the culture of death. And you will see that so many seducing things out here are just, I went in to buy some eyeliner yesterday. The lines of makeup, the names of some of these things, now with profanity in them. Your makeup line is profane. The name is profane. I can't even say what it is because that's just not, I'm thinking, are you kidding me right now? Urban Decay, which is not new. But I can't wear something called decay. I just I just can't. I, we think decadent means uh, decorated. Decadent decay. Okay? You can All right, moving on. Moving on. Faith is now being defined as personal experience and uh, is concocted based on what you feel or is seeking at the moment from the invisible realm. No, did Prophet Tala say it last night, though? She talked about this whole nonsense about believing in the universe uh, being calling <laughs> on. She said, but the universe tears us up, but we can't live out there. <laughs> we can't breathe. We can't be sustained. When there's no food for us out there, there's not, we can't get out of this atmosphere. She's talking about the, the, uh, the universe protecting us. She said, it's killing us. Okay. And then she said, there's only one God of life and of the living, our uniqueness, and our pedigree. We serve the God of the living and not the dead. So many truths in the scriptures that we don't read because we're told that, you know, you don't look for something if you're told it's not there. If you ask somebody, oh, I can't find my key, and I say, oh, I saw them on the front desk, you're not going to go check the bathroom. Because I said that they were on the front desk. Well, no, keys are never in the bathroom. They're just not there. So you just never check. And you know where your keys are? In the bathroom. <laughs> but you're told that they're not there, so you don't look. A lot of us do not investigate the Word of God because we are told that what we're looking for isn't there. Big, big, big problem. But it's also a big answer to why many people don't think that the answers that they seek can't be found in God. Because the people on the pulpit, we were just talking about this with the broadcast. You have the, the man covering up there talking about, well, you know, there are just, oh, no, we're going to pull from him. Then there are things that the Lord just can't help you with. Him. Okay, with him. Answers a lot. Okay, he, you know, he can't. There are, just, there are things beyond God's reach. There are things that he just can't. Now, you're sitting up under a preacher who believes this. Explains a lot about a lot. Not scriptural, not biblical. Not true. Not true. There was nothing beyond the power and hand of God in his word. 
Yes, and she said God is disturbed by this suicide trend and that Jesus had to come on earth and let us know what life is because earth was all about death and about dying. This is where Satan is trying to take us back to now. Death being the only option, the first, last, and only resort. You know, your ministry is going hard. Things aren't happening the way you want to kill it. Just end it. I mean, right on down to how, how many times will we counsel out of ministry? I'm praying you all. Listen, we had some apostles talking about I'm praying you out of Tulsa into a different place. We would like to stop because all your prayers are frustrating the hand of God. You need to be woman of God. You need to do this. Well, you just need to go do that. Even that whole death of what God has called you to do is still the death culture masquerading. And she said this Sunday that when you uh, suffer through with these things and, the, and then you do get saved, that religious veneer can cover a masquerade and that piety, a lot of things that are still unclean and still darkness. So that's something else to, to think about, that the enemy is always trying to take us back into B.C. life. What was before Christ like? It was all dead. Dead, dead, dead. Talking about Samuel, she talked about Samuel. Samuel's dead. He was dead. And Saul, the king, went to the witch of Endor to call up his spirit. The man is like, even dead, can you leave me alone? No, because that was before Christ. And now after him, it's all a work of the flesh. Okay, so God's issues have always been the gods of the dead. Are you in love with dead things? Because superficially we would say, no, I wouldn't be in love with that. No, I wouldn't do that. But are you? When the eyes of your understanding are open and when you actually see life for what it is and death for what it is, um, then you will see and recognize where Jesus Christ really is, but how about this, where you aren't in him. And I love this, and then I, I think I'm going to throw it your way. Oh, she looks like Fred. Final quote, you can't take your life when the Holy Ghost is walking and talking inside of you. Don't you pray. You're up. I'm on. You're on. Are you on? I'm on. Well, you're always on. Now she'll be amplified and on. Make sure right now you share. Okay, I'm going to say this. Share, hit share on this broadcast. Tag people. Um, we are shifting into the main entree of today. Yes. And Dr. Price is going to tell you what that is, but you do not want to miss. I mean, do we ever want to miss? But you do not want to miss today's broadcast. And you don't want your friends or your frenemies to miss today's broadcast as well. You know, I'm thankful for, to God for this one of my organic apostles. Yeah. I realize that all of them are organic. I owe them an apology because, you know, sometimes you, you remember that first kid and then you have to remember you had others afterwards. But I want to thank God for you, and I'm so excited about her because this year she's one of our keynotes. Yeah. Brand new apostle. Good You know? Yeah. And I'll get to hear. From one who came up from the root patch. <laughs> you know, she's got the root patch. Yes. You know, people talk all the time about how um, Ashley is so meek. You know, I mean, she's like a disciple that just didn't change anything. She did not, you know, her mama raised her well. I always thank God for her mother. 
and that's Mr. Lane. One day we'll have y'all just hear from Mr. Lane. But Miss Elaine raised her well. And you know why? Because her mother raised her for her calling and her destiny and without knowing it. Yes. So it was very easy for her to step into this role of taking care of me, which is how she started to becoming me <laughs> in the flesh. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Yes. And so I never, I, I, I never worried. She never came back and said, I have a problem with this, I have a problem with that, I don't like this, I don't like that. Um, this, I'm struggling, God's got to help me, but I can't hear it, I can't see it, God's not saying it to me. And all of that mentees pushback rhetoric. Because mentees have pushback rhetoric. And that pushback is to help them keep maintaining their individuality. So I want to say me. Like, I want your word, I like your message, I want my message. So, you know, I, right now I measure mentees by the, the volume and the character of their pushback. Because people hate change. It's in us to not like authority. It's in us to not want to have to obey. Those are humans. That's human. And to the world, that is cherished. To God is condemned. It's condemned because it's a presumption of, of omniscience. That you don't have. It's a presumption of omnipotence that you lack. And so, with her, we would have conversations. Now we had our moments because you know people are people, and I I don't want cookie cutters, and I don't want scary mentees because scary mentees will sell you out. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't want greedy mentees because they will also sell you out. So. I really enjoyed mentoring her. I mean, I enjoyed all of them, but this one would sit and listen. Because, see, when you are a close mentee, you have dropped everything, alertness, because I'm talking. And you recognize when a mentoring moment is happening. That's true. That's true. And so I mentor. It was fun that that took for me to do that. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'll tell anybody. I, I did not know. Ashley was going to be an apostle. I was barely trying to wrap my head around her being a prophet. Me too. <laughs> was well, first of all, the first five years, you thought I was going to leave. Yes. Because, well, and I, I, had, I had those pushback mentees. I don't need this. I don't have to take this. God will speak to me himself and all that kind of crazy. And so, I, you know, when people hear me today and I say I really don't care, that is born out of years of useless caring. Mm-hmm. You know, fruitless care. Yeah. And so when I tell you I don't care, I want the best because I want the best. And I know we don't think God does, yeah. but he does. We want the best equipment. We want the best material. We want the best. So we were, she would listen to me, and I mean, while I'm hashing through, she's got to get it. But what she did to distinguish herself was when she first came, you know, she was one of the first people that dignified what I was doing, gave it respect and regard. Okay, so can we um, get to Sunday teaching? And so a lot of her development came from her working my tape ministry. Yeah. So, because I, I mean, I wanted to know. And, of course, people do things behind the scenes and out of your eyes like, so often that you forget that they are, what they're doing is grooming them. So she got, she went and she made it her business. People had tapes every day. She hasn't changed. So <clears throat> now they're seeing we have given up because, you know, technology makes people dump what works. And, it's, it, it, and that's just human stuff. So 
we, you know, we like, you can download them. You know, everybody, we can download. So if you're in a, a dead zone, you can't go download it. useless. If you're in a so-and-so and your phone is dead or whatever. So she said, wait, we need CDs. Well, you know, she has been getting requests for them. And so everybody, we don't need that. We, well, we're just going to use the jump drive. We're just going to use a hot drive. We're going to, we just ain't driving. And so, <clears throat> but I said to her, you know, I, I'm a woman. I need CDs. I need to know I can put this thing on, go clean my house. I can put it on repeat and continue cleaning my house during my work. I can put it on in my car and not have to go back and do it again and again and again. And I thought, why do we give up that convenience? So I'm going to go on record to say people, CDs are still needful. So she decided, same woman, mature, same solution. So I thought, well, that's really great. So when she first started, because she's very pragmatic. And she's a very pragmatic girl. You know, everybody else is going crazy. She said, well, did anybody think so and so and so and so? Now, that's an attribute of apostleship, but I'm not putting that together. So she's very pragmatic. You know, most folks... She ought to have a panic in public. It takes her two weeks to panic because she's got to work the solution out. Now, when she's worked it out, then she's like, I'm like, and it took, it took a while for God to tell me, no, she purposely has delayed reaction. So I thought, fine. But my other prophets, I mean, they were popping up. God showed me. I had dreams. God did this. God did that. It was very wonderful. And I was like, yay, Ashley. I don't know. <laughs> Does God talk to you? But yes. Well, how do you know? I just know. Okay, well, what did he say? And he, she ran down some things he said, and I said, okay. <laughs> See, because some of you got a, got, got a sleep and a possible in your midst, too. Wow. And so, so but, but she would behave just the way she behaved. Now, I wrote God's apostle response. I promise you, I wrote, I dug into the apostle from all the way back. I wrote constructing. I said, well, are you dreaming? But no, no, I sleep well, no. <laughs> We're having this, oh, this is a matter of years. Yet, when you talk about somebody who gets it, gets on board, clear, I mean, and a warrior, like you wouldn't believe. But still, I'm like, but she's not having, she's not gushing out and gushing over all of these spiritual things that prophets bring up. So then we have prophetic night where they have to do, you know, prophesy and whatever. Prophecies all all off. The prophets are like, I just see they abstract, they're, they're, that means they're emphatic. She's like, God's not doing that, and this is what he's going to do. And I look at her and I say, why can't she be like the best of the prophets? <laughs> God said, because she's not a prophet. So I said, well, what is she? Silence. So I prophesied to her and said, by the time you're 40, this is what your life is going to do. Because every year on her birthday, I don't know how God does it, but he visits her on her birthday every single year. So every year on her birthday, if, I, if I'm a little slow getting there, I get the message. So I stand in, and so I said to God, all right, God, I've played with this girl long enough. I can't get her to act like a prophet. I don't know what she's doing. I said, what is this? I don't know. He said, Ashley's an apostle. He said, it's going to be one of the better ones I have. I said, Ashley? Like, my Ashley? Not his. My Ashley? <laughs> apostle coming out of that? And then he walks me through my own book. He said, here are your checkpoints. Is it? Da-da-da. 
apostle. And how many did I tell you he said it would be for you before you got it? Oh, you said it would be about 20 years. Yes. And 10 years when I'm clear and trained. Because I accept it. Because it takes about 20 years to make a quality apostle. It takes 20 minutes to call one. It takes 20 years to make one. Because apostles are the highest office in God's kingdom and the highest one on earth between heaven and earth. And that takes a lot of uh, a lot of training, a lot of trial and effort. So she did. You've been with me how long now? 20 years next year. You see, you gave me. Oh, you're going to have to You gave me the word about being 40. She didn't say apostle, but she told me what type of person I would be when I met you in 2000. Was when I first she got there. You can't tell an AG girl this is gonna happen. I don't know. AG <laughs> girl, show me. You're seeing that, um, right? <laughs> exactly. And so, but what I appreciated is that uh, you know Ashley rarely came to me with other people's stuff. Like she would rarely say, "Well, you know, everybody's doing so and so. Maybe we should try." She's like, "Dr. Price, this is what she's doing. Just tell me how we're gonna get there." She always backed my club. I've never had to fight with her. Never. Now, we, I had to explain, because, again, she's developing. But she always backed everything God told me, because she said, well, God told me the same thing. She was so good at this that today she's one of the few people who can tell me what God does in my actual seat, not just an encounter, in my actual seat. So she comes, and so she says to me, God says to me, okay, she's ready. And when I – so – her commissioning was like the test of sex. First of all, her training. She took her real apostles take their development seriously because they know what they're going for. They know what their training is about. Real apostles. I said real. Real apostles, they are about order. So they're going to do it not just because they're honoring your, their mentors. They're doing it because they believe in the institution called order. They will do order. They believe in timeliness. They're going to do that thing on time. And they believe in thoroughness because they know not to give the devil a place. And so there are some attributes that, that God made his 12 grow into that we don't pay attention because we should be operating on gifts. They also understand the, the, the office versus the gifts and, and the power that's in them. So I never had to worry about that. I never had to say, okay, do your homework. See, a pastor that won't do homework is a pastor that won't do God's work. Because they're going to change the work to fit their, their own makeup and their, their ideas. An apostle that won't die to Christ is a apostle who will not live for Christ. Because you have to die for what God wants. So when you're developing and one a whole class on how to develop an apostle from beginning to end, and, and, you're, and I'm going to tell you how to recognize the types of apostles that are out there. Because, see, not everybody earned the master. Three earned the mountain. Everybody else was at the bottom wrestling with devils they couldn't defeat. I brought in two young disciples, but they could not get right. Now, we're in the same class. So there are people whose flesh has always ruled their nurture, their development, and education. And so when it comes time to put them in any kind of ministerial training, they don't fit because they fall back on the flesh that got them through. The apostles are not stayed through. Because they know Satan is not going to let you stay through. He's never going to take your clear back. Ever. 
you don't think knocked out, tripped up, that, that, that. See, so it's your perception of that office. So when I developed her, I was just surprised that she didn't question. She just did. She just did what I asked. She just learned. I want you to read this book. She read it. I want you to use this, this app. They say she just did it. We did not argue because I wanted to understand that the whole word of faith, charismatic, the evangelical paradigm is about you being you and enjoying the Christ in you. The partnership and the prophetic, you don't have those luxuries. You've got to become the embodiment and the appendage of he who called you because you don't get to play with the sheep and have fun. You know, lambs are fun. That's a nice little furry, fuzzy thing. And it's nice. This is a little boozy thing in general, but they're nice. They're cheap nice, but the apostle knows that the externals have no way to gauge or even give you a report on the internals. So the reason that I enjoy her and I always call her my because she's the first one and she's starting fresh. What, if we had a, a, a conflict, which I'm pretty about four or five over 20 years, maybe, and the first thing I said to her when she first came, and I mean, because we're very compatible, you know, I thank God for that. My blessed daughter brought her, you know. And so, you know, she was still, she's fine, boy. But anyway, so she brought them all in. I mean, she really did her job. And so, but I said to her when we had our first difficulty, and I said to her, I want you to remember one thing. I'm in your life for your destiny. And the minute, the reason I'm in your life stops, we're gone. Because outside of the calling, we would have no relationship. You wouldn't choose me, and I would choose you. She said, God, Somebody else would have been mad, fucking, fuming for days. No, she just said, got it, and worked it from that point. So I said it. So she couldn't bring me to personal stuff because that's not what we do. I'm in your life for this. If you believe God entrusted you to me, then you better trust me. You better trust the path and the, and the message that he gave me. So I, I'm saying that there's some of these young apostles, you don't know what to do, and all you know how to do is showcase them. I did not showcase her. You know why? Because the devils come against the apostles are real. See, those are princes. Because the apostle, by definition, is a principality. So if you're a principality, guess what you're going to bump up against? Uh, the principality. That's why these kids got lost. Because, see, they went out as little chimps and imps and, and babes, depending on which, who put them out there, and they met the princes. God said, it's the princes of this world. This world has princes, and princes that are going to face off with God's apostles. You understand that our legacy is astounding. Yeah. We have an astounding legacy, but we also have an astounding history. And the world, see, the church doesn't have a clue about apostles. They don't even know pastors, which is why these pastors are crashing. Because the church wasn't founded by pastors. So they're, they're crashing because they did not have the same thing. And you can say, well, you know, you didn't have it yet. We did Jesus came and did a 40-day training with those 12 to recommission them back into his eternal service. 40 days. Did it by the Holy Ghost. When you read the book of Acts, it says Jesus and the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Train the post-resurrection, post-ascension apostles. So don't give us this if you don't know. No, read your Bible out of the flesh. 
I got to fight because they're going to show me how they don't need me, how they really got it better, and they just did with me for policy. So I'm not shellacking. Oh, wow. I'm not shellacking. I'm not going to shellack your mess. <laughs> yeah. And it was interesting because we had discussions, and I would tell her, speak your mind. Because her mind didn't bother me. But her rebellion would. Because the Bible says rebellion is at the center of witchcraft. So if you're in rebellion, you're operating under some witch's spell. Well, he trusted it to me. And so in, in, in it all, he gave me the, you know, the institution. Some of you all know I wrote, um, I wrote um, a, what is it, the ABCs of Apostleship 1 and 2, God's Apostles Revived and Eternity Generals. And I wrote a, um, an assessment on apostles that we can literally do what we do with the MAQ and the PAQ. And so when I say to her, when God said to me she's ready, he was, because I'm kidding what you said. Although Ashley was like, really? Ready? Can I spell that yet? But when people come and tell me they're ready, you know what, guys? The air and carrying on, I'm not looking too cool. There we go. Okay. Because so when people come and tell me they're ready, I say, tell it, prove it. Prove it. Because it's hard to, to, to tell somebody like me. I said to a young prophet once, a well-known prophet, and he came to me, because you don't step to an apostle who's been out there 35 years having a fight for this thing and think you're going to win because you're 23 plus me. <laughs> you were there. I was there. And he came, he said, well, I don't think you're an apostle, and I will never call you one because I don't believe in women apostles. First of all, you ain't been on the planet enough to know what your belief system is. You too young. So that's number one. He said that. I said, understandable. And he said, I said, but we can work with that. I said, because I don't believe you're a prophet. <laughs> I said, now they're pushing you as a prophet, but I don't believe you are a prophet. Oh, God. We're in the lobby of a hotel. He was stunned, pushed back. And so he said, what do you mean? How can you see that? Then what am I? I said, you're a prophesier. He said, where is that in scripture? I said, the gift of prophecy is for prophesiers. You have the gift of prophecy. You want to push back on who I am? Let me tell you how well I've learned to do what I do. And so he went, did we not? I'm not, I'm telling you. And so he said, well, tell me, how can you say, because you can't tell me why I'm not an apostle, but I can tell you why you're not a prophet.
better than I would have, for sure. And just all this nonsense, and so on. But when that came up, it was over. And you can tell that no matter what people have ever said, mm-hmm. they know you're in authority. Because when she said it, he was done. Because it was Dr. Paula Price who said it, not somebody. Because, you know, people have said that to this person. For sure, we, we read it online, all over the place. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me this, blah, 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 blah. She said it. He, they had to have me. Mm-mm. Had to bring the brother. Couldn't come right. back. And I told him, I said, the fact that you can't re- recognize an apostle, because that's your number one job. And if you can't recognize an apostle, a true apostle, you're not a prophet. You're a prophesier. Bless your little heart. I said, I was so serious. Because let me tell you something. You, that's what I mean about consciousness. See, he had capability. Yeah. But I've got consciousness. You know, and I'm telling you, when he, when he said, and, I'm, and I had to shut up, because most people who know me know I can drill down in your soul and leave nothing standing. But I had to shut up because I said, he's a young kid. He doesn't know what he's doing. And he put, you put up by, you put up as a prophet by people who can't stand prophets. There's no way in the world. Now, the reason I say that is because when I say that I, my people are ready, they're ready. And if I say you're not ready, I don't care about your tantrum. You know why? Because I'm a guardian of this man's affair. I told you, I am an agent of the Godhead, and, and every true agent wants to give their principal the best. I mean, I'm like, no. So go ahead, continue to have the tantrum, because I am so unimpressed. I just am. But isn't that the truth, Because she, she was the first one I started developing as a disciple. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't, I, I used to be, you know, when you are unsure of yourself, you're afraid that, well, they're not going to like the homework, they're not going to do this, they're going to get mad, they're going to be, hey, it's your destiny. And you don't want to got to die on it. So if you can't live it, live with it, you need to, you need to be prepared to die on it. I am not that one. Because I, I won't do it. I will not. I don't care that it takes me, you know, well, you know, it takes a long time. Yeah, it does. But you know what's so beautiful about a long time? Every year you get another stuff, you get another strap. So before you know it, you're turning them out every year. And they're good. See, I need good. I told you, I'm called to the elite. I'm called to the best. Now, somebody else is called to the left. That's not my problem. And it doesn't take anything from them. But I am called to the top. And I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm not going to explain it. They, 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 those kids brought me in and thought they were playing with the people who have forgotten what it's all about. I'm in this 24-7. I don't put this down because I'm an agent of the Godhead. And I'm filled with all the fullness of the Godhead finally. Go ahead. Huh? Well, you're also, <laughs> <my baby. laughs> you're also not enamored with you. No. And this whole gang of young people, and many of them around the country, are accustomed to sitting in front of genuinely some of the largest names in the kingdom and having these people enamored with them because of their youth and because of their numbers. How many people they can gather and they're so young and look at the crowds because they're so young. And um, when they meet you, you leave with, I'm not impressed. With uh, no. And so no. you waited until you held this back for years and years and years under Counsel to the contrary, and people trying to slide us notes privately and offer us things here and things there to make us big overnight, whatever. And you said, but 
this success is going to crush them. They're not ready because you said I'm their mentor and I know what's not in there mm-hmm. and what is in there that needs to come out that's going to take them out. Yes. And three people know God, Satan, and me. We all three of us know what's in our mentees, what's in our future messages, and what isn't. And I would tell them, no, no, because you can't stand your feelings hurt over that. See, I listen to that. Your feelings are hurt. If that's all it takes to hurt your feelings, baby, you're not ready for a friend. If that's what it takes for you to collapse and cry and run off and whatnot, then you weren't called. Because let me tell you something, the chosen can't sleep. The chosen are coming with glue on their feet. That glue turns to iron boots. They can't sleep. So I, I want the best. I'm going to tell you right now. And so I can wait. I'm like Jesus. The Bible says that the Lord waits for the precious fruit of the earth. God doesn't crush the seed. He doesn't crush the, the sprout. God waits until he can get the most juice from this fruit. Look. So, and I got to make sure it's got good juice because there's worms in the ground and bugs and pestilence and carrying on. We got toxins and whatnot, weed killing. What? So I, I got to get all of that out there before I put that fruit, that fruit on the table of the Almighty. And I'm okay with that. I have lived all these years. Let me tell you something. One, one thing about saying I'm for the best and then meaning it, because a lot of people brag stuff, yeah, I'm for the best until somebody stops paying the tithes. You, you, you change it. You're changing because you got to get the money. You know? You're changing because you have to have this prestige. I... I paid the dues for giving God the best. Jesus took the planet with 12, not 12,000, 12. And he, as a specialist, as an expert, trained 12. When I trained my apostles, I trained them to be experts. And when I trained my prophets, I trained them to be specialists. And I make that distinction all throughout their training. So you can turn that, like they turn in that trash to me, she's really good. Let me tell you how good she is. Because I'm going to tell you something. They turn in that trash to me, what did I do with trash and papers? What trash? I threw them in the trash. Mm-hmm. I threw them in the garbage, in front of them. I said, first of all, two things. God's work better, and so am I. Don't ever give me junk again. We're late. Uh, late, I don't even read it. I just throw it in the garbage. <laughs> So they, they really, my, I have to say, my, my offspring are uh, a little bit, not much, a little bit kind, not much. Because let me tell you something, if you start taking mess from your students, you'll take mess from what they bring with you. Yeah. So I don't take mess. You're going to do it, we're going to do it right for the Lord, or you're not going to do it. Go to somebody who doesn't care about what they give God. Go to somebody who is like those people in Malachi. They want to give him a one-eyed sheep, a broken leg animal, a, a, a beat up. Sacrifice. Go to those people who don't care. Give God all of the defects and the rejects. You're all excited about all these defects and rejects having center stage. I want you to understand, children, children follow the leader. That's why the Pied Piper was a great story. Yeah. A lot of these people are nothing but Pied Piper pulling mice. Children follow the leader because thinkers will never be swept away with that. The one thing I like, I'm doing a, uh, writing a, a new book. I have a, a, a wonderful book coming out. And so, um, a couple, really, about three. But anyway, but one of the things I said is that prophetic minds are thinkers. And they are naturally skeptical. They're like, 
when something is a fact, they want to go into investigative mode. I need to investigate with because um, the government does it. When something becomes a fact among the citizens, okay, let's investigate the root of this, the truth of this, let's yeah. find out what it is so that we, don't, we can get ahead of the problem, get ahead of the consequences. Hey, share, share. So when, I, when, when things start, my daughter will tell you, I was never a gene fan. I hate that. I hate trends because I know there's a principality behind it who's exploiting the naivety of humanity. So I don't. I don't do. I don't do fast. Hate them. If you want me, no. You know they have these commercials. You know how I am, right? They have these commercials that I can do what you can. I am so rebellious. I said, well, who are you? <laughs> Somebody paid to say it. Yes. I'm not interested. Don't tell me if you can do it. I can do it because you're not me and I'm not you. Train my people to be independent thinkers. One of the things that Satan can't deal with is thinkers. He has to have feelings. He works on sensors and not programs. He has to have feelers. Because feelers, you can, today, you can throw a wind on a feeler. Ooh, I feel a chill. You throw a little heat on Ooh, it's hot today. You throw a little bit of a fence. Ooh, and your feelings change. People change. Feelers change about me because of gossip. Yeah. Just gossip because you're feeling. You didn't think. You didn't investigate. Just gossip. Lying gossip. See, I don't. When people start telling me things about folks, the first thing I send my people to do is go investigate and find out if there's any truth in that because I'm not going to question something God is doing because the competition, their competition has a problem. Wow. So I'm not doing that. So you're not going to sway me with so-and-so's, well, you know, I'm telling you, I investigate. And sometimes I go personally to investigate. With this crazy incident, I went personally because so many negative things were being said, and I have a heart for young people. I have a heart for the millennials, and I want to make sure that they're not being bashed just because of their age. I want to make sure that that age is really chronological, numerological, body, mind, and spirit. See, when all three of them ages are the same, you're not ready. Because, <laughs> well, see, some people have a mature soul. Yes, you. And because life walked them through the fires and the flames, because let me tell you, so you're not getting any maturity and you won't get any experience without the fires, the flames, the fiery trials, which are to test you, because they change your soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if your soul's not changed. Yeah. So I'm excited about. What we're doing, Price University, but trust me, I have worked on giving God the best. And I want to tell you something. When you give and when you are producing the best, you don't have a lot. You know, we, they make X amount of rolls in a year. That's it. You order it this year, you might get it in two. Oh, you're going to Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They may, because I'm watching people who are at the top tier can't work on a lot at the same time because they know that diminishes the quality. Yeah, and wait, and thank God. God said, I'm waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. He didn't say fruit of the earth. Pagans just want fruit. Jesus needs precious. Humanists just want fruit. Jesus needs precious. And see, when the leaders and the developers and the producers of God's future produce stop trying to match the numbers of mediocrity, 
then we're going to go back to superiority. So I don't, I'm not going to fight with, I don't fight with my people. They come in with all of their notions. I don't care about that. If you can't deal with, with, with what I produce, you can't deal with me because I'm a lot. I am a lot, and I thank God for being a lot. I used to try to say, well, no, not, no, I'm a lot. I'm a lot, and no. I, when, I send, when I send my agent and I send my represent, representative and my leaders to you, you better act like I can. Because that's what God said in Exodus. Didn't he say that? He said, listen, yep. I'm going to send my angel before you to take you in. Exodus 23, 23, and I think 32, 34, or reverse. He said, but... I'm sending my angel ahead of you. He said, now listen, just because he's not me personally, don't mistreat him because my name is him. And the very thing I would do, he's authorized to do to you when you rebel against him. That's God's way. I'm having fun in my seat because I'm learning God's way, and it's magnificent. It makes sense. So when I say, when I say to her, go handle this, I expect you to recognize I wouldn't send her if there wasn't a reason and if I wasn't going to back her. I back my leaders. Some of you all, you don't back the leaders. That's why they're hurt, they're broken, and delusioned, except dejected, because you don't back them. Because the minute somebody of high stature and somebody who's paying good money has a problem, you're going to throw your leader under the bus. Mm. I don't. Because let me tell you something. Anybody who wants to diminish and downgrade what I produced won't be with me long anyway. Because the minute I go against their brain, I'm out. Because that's what's been happening to me for all of this time. I can't even tell you how many people come, God told me to come, look at God. God told me to back you. God told me to do this and that. Honey, hurt their feelings. Because rich folks often have very thin feelings. Because they don't have enough people who will who, who will work against them. Yeah. So you sometimes you need that friction, you know. And then sometimes you need to know that there are people who love you enough to back you without bowing. Mm-hmm. See, so every day of my life, every day of every year's life, you got to make a decision about backing or bowing. That's just the way it goes. And say, I, I don't do well. I bow to the Holy Ghost, and that's a lot of bowing. Now, trust me, he's a big guy, you know. He's just like bow to the north, bow to the south, east, west, equator. He's big. Just stay down. I just lay out. And so, but I tell you this because you need to understand where we are. How did we get here? How did we get here? How did we fall into this place? First of all, it's putting leaders in power and not knowing why. Mm-hmm. I just told you why I knew she was ready. And I didn't make the decision before I wrote the material that would guide my judgment and guide my opinions and guide my actions. I first wrote the book. See, and in order to write a good book, you got to research. So I first wrote the book. I first wrote every manual that I would use to do two things qualify candidates, and then educate and equip them to fulfill the role so they see, they go from candidacy to officership. You got to do it. So I do. So I have books for everything. Like people come here and they think that I'm just, I'm just chatty, chatty. First of all, I don't chat a whole lot. Y'all get a lot on Thursdays. Free cleaning. 
I don't, I'm not a chatty chat person. And when you have dug and dug and whatever, you just realize words should be few. So I don't do a lot of chatting. I love teaching. If you get in my class, you're going to get some chat now. I'm going to talk. We're going to train. It's going to be great. But if we just going to sit around, I choose who I have coffee with and why. Because <laughs> not everybody can take it. Just to be honest with you, I need my arrogance because people want to say that. So I make, my, I make my decisions on hard data. We do reviews. We do assessments. We do training and development. When I make a decision, I have hard data. She doesn't have to either, but all of my people have to produce a portfolio so that I'm, God is not the only one to know what you're going to do when you are promoted. Wait. God, the Lord Jesus, does anybody understand what I'm saying? See, you put people in power, and you're just surprised at what they do as the people that they do it to. Come on. I don't know. I'm going to read. I read these documents. I sign off on them. I scratch them out and whatever. But they better have a reason. I don't put people in power, and I don't know what they're going to do. And I don't know what they know. And I don't know how they think. And I don't know how they feel. And I have no idea how they'll react to the environment that I'm setting them in. I don't. I won't do it. So if I say so-and-so is going to be so-and-so, you better know. If I say it out of my mouth, it's probationary until you show me otherwise. It's a bit, I don't know. You all who are out there, I know some of you all, you know, this may bother you, and that's okay. I'm all right with that because I've done, you know, I've bothered some very great people in my life, and I've survived <laughs> But I want you to know there are true leaders out there. There are great leaders out there. There are people who are genuine in God. They're committed to his best. You're the ones I'm talking to because you're the ones who are feeling God's ire and God's grief over the ineptitude, incompetence, lack of capability that is sitting in high seats of authority that the naive were goaded by Satan to put them in. See, I'm not doing that. And trust me, here, this is, I know some of you all don't remember, but this here, tells me, told me what she's going to do when I empower her. Now, I know, folks, this is, uh, what is this? This is um, the portfolio and practice. The por- her portfolio and practice for near every apostle, every prophet got to read some of your subtitles there. Not all of them, just run around. Because you should not be the last person to know what your appointees will do in power. You should be the first to know, because if you're the first to know, then you can fix it. Um, indeed. The first portion is my biographical history, and mine included transitioning from the office of the prophet to the apostle. And so the uh, juicy part that we all realize, oh, we're going to have to sit down and answer, <clears throat> are... Um, going to section three here, the five major things that the apostleship training program taught and enabled me to perform as a minister, what I achieved through since and as a result of the AIT program, uh, as a result of the program, my present skills for this office due to my apostleship training education, the five things that I can say I have mastered as an apostolate training student, that's all one section. And then section four is my understanding of my ministry commission or mandate, 
My designated ministry sphere is education. My most assigned ministry group as a minister is that of a teaching environment. And then I have to have a, I put in a ministry implementation plan that we had put in. Mm -hmm. And uh, how I will take the contents of this document and serve my future prison ministry. <laughs> and so on. More. Uh, let's see. How I see my ministerial calling being executed. And some of the things I have already adopted and or implemented from my AIT training are. I love it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So why, why did I say, now you understand how I can tell you I know what she's going to do in power? Because she fulfilled all of the protocols, the principles and practices that we did. She didn't just, because I had to write it out. You couldn't just, you know, tell me what you know. You had to write it out. And you know what she's, do you know what she's commissioned with? A manual to guide her work. A document that proves her work. You can't beat that. No, so she doesn't walk around wondering why I was made an apostle. She prophet Tala does the same thing with the prophets. We have the same thing, the same documentation, because verification can only come from documentation. So I need you. Are, are they following me? Are you guys all right with me? How are they handling this? Yes. Well, I'm the back is the practice, mm -hmm. and my practice is what I'm doing now, which is building the school of apostleship. And I know how she's going to do it. Out. And so, and so, what happens is when you have a problem, like we say, prove those. We think everything is abstract, ethereal, aesthetic. Prove them means opinionate in their mind by opinion. See, but I, I don't need just my opinion. My opinion was settled the day that God told me she's going to be an apostle. What I need is evidence, and I need proof, proof that what, her, what she was born with can develop into something Jesus can work with. And I need you all to think differently, because, see, we got all of this stuff. I know you hear people, but I don't know. When he said, I don't believe you are an apostle because you're a woman, I'm thinking, baby, I produce more than you as a woman. And guess what I didn't use? My womanhood. I didn't use my womanhood to produce what I produced. That is why when, I'm not saying that everybody did well or going to do well. I'm not saying whatever. I'm saying that my hands are clean because I did the best I could with what I was given to work with. And when, I, when we decided, now she's developing our Apostles in Training program on AIT School of Apostleship. See, a lot of you all say, well, yeah, I was trained by this one. I was trained by that one. You can't prove that you were trained. You don't know what they did, had no curriculum. You had no standards. You had no criteria, no metrics. You had nothing to prove that you were a replicant of them other than imitation. Yeah. That's very important. I have no idea why we're on this subject. I'm telling you right now. But God wants to talk about what he celebrates and what he's verifying and what he can work with. See, because God can send my, my commissionees, my graduates, to anyone. And you know what? They can produce not just a ministerial biography. They can literally produce a commission biotech. So we go from biography to biotech. So they understand very well, very well, what they're getting. 
I don't unleash my imagination on God's people. That is why I educate. That is why I train so that I know what's being unleashed on God's people. But something else, I have something to rein them in with. I have something to make them accountable to. You, can, you all can put questions up there because this, I think, is a very interesting subject. So if you want to ask me on Facebook, you can put questions up there and you can ask. But see, if you don't have a document, how can you tell people that they are doing what you train or that they're deviating from your training? You have no way of proving it. So that means you cannot, you, you, literally, you cannot correct them. You can't correct what you haven't established as person. You can't do it. So everything is about a feeling. Everything is about a reaction. Everything is about an impulse. Everything is about a reflex. But it is not about a product. And education and training are to produce a product that performs to the betterment or provision of others. So when I say somebody is in the prophet's office, I know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. When I say somebody is in an office or they're just a gifting, I know what I'm talking about. I know it. I know exactly what I'm talking about. This same young man came up a gifting. Not because he wasn't destined to the office, but he was in position and developed by people who couldn't put him in the office. So I need you to recognize why I do what I do. Because a lot of criticism, like, yeah, well, you know, Dr. Price, you know, she's hard. Well, you know, Dr. Price, you got to work. You know, Dr. Price, you better be serious. So what are you saying? That if that, you, you avoid me because you want to play? You avoid me because you don't want to work? You avoid me because you like laxity? Mm-hmm. Over capability? Why are you doing that? Why do you think God's not worth you as your best? Why isn't he worth you as his best? Why can't you be taught? Did I get any questions? You all to write your questions down. I knew you. I knew you were going to be some. Bless God for some. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, why does an apostle have to go through the office of the prophets first, or is that necessary? Yes. And to answer the second part first. It is necessary because the apostles are established by the prophetic writings. So it's prophets that prophesied Jesus. And then Jesus came as a prophet. So in order for an apostle to fulfill what God called them to do, they have got to know what God built his kingdom on in the earth. And he built it on the the prophetic writing, the writings of the prophets, the words of the prophets. Jesus said it over and over again. I'm here because of the prophets. Because God starts everything with a prophet. And if a prophet, if a prophet has been well trained and developed, they can tell you where the real apostles are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lisa. Lisa. We sought the various kingdom prophets who moved and joined some of these bigger apostles. And when they got in the midst of it, they saw it wasn't God. They left. Mm-hmm. wasn't God, and there wasn't anything apostolic about it. You know, Jesus talked about Satan has an apostolic synagogue. He, he calls it the synagogue of Satan, and, and, and it's led by those who say they are apostles but are not, but lie. So you can't protect yourself if you don't know the word. 
And apostles, true apostles, are not going to take you out of the Bible. They just can't because that's what called them, because that's what groomed them, because that's what trained them. So they're not going to take you out. Again, so if you have questions, ask. Don't ask me when the show is over and think I'm going to ask, answer you on Facebook because I just might not. Because, you know, you all do that. Anybody else, Apostle tell me that you want to have a comment considering you are the first one to get all my training, just about. <laughs> well, I had a comment on the fact that sometimes we develop by people who cannot put you in office. And then I have a question behind that in saying that if you're developed by a person who cannot put you in office, and you're still where you were 20 years. Oh, hold on. Wait a minute. They want you to have a mic because people so they can hear you. want to hear you. Okay. Um, I was talking about the fact that sometimes you develop by people that cannot put you in office. I know people that are like that. What happens after that person has listened to this today and found out, you know, I didn't have any more development except to hear a word of the Lord from my pastor that I am a prophet or I'm an apostle. So as far as the development, how do you really get to that person to get them to see it's important for you now to start from A and not try to go to Z? I mean, people do feel like they can still bypass because they've had 20 years of training of just sitting with that, again, pastor, not with that apostle. Well, I think true to your nature, that is an extraordinary question. So the first thing is, People who finish a professional program may get a degree, but they cannot be put in power. So that's the first thing. So you, I mean, you can get your, your nursing degree, your engineering, whatever, but the body, the credentialing body that approves that education and says that it meets its standards and its criteria and its measurements, benchmarks, if you will, for those that it will back. Because once you leave school, there is a body that's supposed to back you. And that authoritative body is, or association or oversight is the body that says, yeah, this school, I mean, because in the secular world we have accreditation. They say that this school can produce uh, an educational product with tools, instruments that fit their, what they have already determined is safe, and serviceable and helpful to society because ministry is public. See, we, what, what we've done is we've not cared about the public in our training. So if you've been with some pastor for 20 years and saying you're a prophet, you're not a prophet because you would have known within the third year that your pastor can't get you ready for your calling or your destiny. And you've also proven yourself incapable because you let loyalty cause you to, uh, to literally dismiss your professional development as a prophet. So you're a good pastor. Say what you're pastor. Because you're not a prophet. Because a real prophet, the first thing a prophet is going to find out from God is where to be trained. Do we not get phone calls all the time? They say, okay, so where should I go for training? Because if you really feel that your calling is genuinely of Christ and it is meant to service his people by serving him, if you really believe that, you're not going to mess over your development or your readiness. Mm. Mm. Now, there are other things like, for example, a pastor cannot make a prophet. Pastors were not around when prophets were running Israel. So that can't be. That just cannot happen. 
Abel was the first prophet, and he was made by God to run God's civilization. Prophets did not begin ecclesial. They began as uh, society, and they began as God's nation, national. That's why they can reach in those areas. So you, what we did is we put people on a national front who were not national prophets in the day. Indeed. Because you need to be able to take on those powers. Very important. Now, the last piece, answering your last piece, a bishop can't make an apostle. I don't care how much they say they should. Now, a bishop can make a church apostle. A bishop can, can acknowledge and recognize an ecclesial apostle. A kingdom apostle has got to be made by a kingdom apostle. So if you're going to be apostle to the churches, like Andronicus and all of them, yeah, your bishop can run that because bishops are over the church. And they decide for you to go out in the name of their church and to go out as their ambassador in the name of their work. I told you, I've dug this thing in for 30-something years. I don't care what anybody says. So if you've been made apostle by a bishop, you are not an apostle. Unless you are an ecclesial apostle and all, the only authority you have and your only sphere of domain is the congregations of that bishop. Wow. So if you want to go world, you want to go global, you better find a global and world apostle who has done well with God. Because if they haven't done well with God, God's not going to back your, you don't get the protections, you don't get the defensive because they didn't have it. So if you have an apostolic gift in making you an apostle, you're probably going to be a little bit slammed. Did I say that name? You did well. I was doing that. See, I did it. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Tom Thompson wants to know how does a how does or should an apostle and he corrected pastor in a local church flow and establish order without causing disrespect of either person. I love it. Great question, Jeffrey. Thank you so much. Again, that goes back to how it just ended. If you are an apostle in a local church then you have to work in tandem with that pastor, which means your position is more advisory than authoritative. So you're the advisor. You know, you're on the council. You're on the board. And it's all about that church. It is not about God's kingdom because you are in that church, and that is your assignment, and you've been authorized by those who are apostolic and not necessarily apostles. Mm-hmm. Wow. I told you, if I said you're not an apostle, I know why. <laughs> I know, you know, I used to be very shy and not say things like that, and I'm like, they're going to think, but people thought bad of me, and I was trying to be nice. Well, it didn't matter. So now I might as well be nice and right, or unnice at times. So right. <laughs> uh, any other questions here in the room? or? Online, we got it. Okay, we got one. We got a couple more. And if, uh, if I, it's time for where's Prophet to be this year, round? Come on in here. And where's Chief? You know, Chief is the one that has apostolic prophet. I'd love her to talk about that. Maybe she's around. I never know with her. She's got all these meetings that she keeps. Prophet Dean. Oh, are you doing? Good. Have you been enjoying us? Oh, yeah. Have you got questions? Because you would. Well, whatever you have, it's going to be wonderful. Thank you. Um, okay. okay. Uh, when you're going through the AIT program with you, 
Okay. This is an AIT question. Because you're an AIT, they need to know that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so She's an apostle in training, training under the near collaborative. With Dr. Paula Price and Dr. Edwin Claytor. Mm-hmm. Okay. There is a, we didn't know it, okay, but there is an office and there is an office. And there's an office that apostles generally enter into that are not educated in training, and then there's the office that this particular program opens up into you and that the office has to uh, enter into you. And not just you say, I'm going to enter into the office of the apostle. And so there's a weight that comes with it. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, I would say, converted, then the office kicks you out if you just try to enter in. Could you speak to that? Yes. But I need you to go back to the beginning of your question and, and, and tell me, give me an example of there's an office and then there's an office. Now, I understand the second half, but just give me a little bit of clarity on that. Well, for those apostles um, from the era that I came from, okay, that they believe that they already have entered into the office of apostleship or apostles. Okay. And I know that they have not gone through what you will encounter if you come through the AIT program with Dr. Paula Price. Mm-hmm. That there is certainly a, you feel the weight, you feel the, the hand of the Holy Spirit on you, there's a change, there's, mm-hmm. there's a thinking change, there's a pressure. Mm-hmm. And I also, uh, we were discussing the AITs, we're discussing that there can be a falling away if a person is not complying with, say, their educational training process, and that the office does not necessarily enter into them, and they cannot necessarily continue in the program. I'll put it like that. Got it. Well, yeah, our program, we'll do that. Um, All education separates the wannabe from the gonna-be. Because, see, the wannabe come with stars in their eyes, preconceived notions, and preconditioning that is just looking for affirmation. But the gonabies understand that who they are is not what they're supposed to enter this field with or act. So when you when we, we take them on, you know, wanna be, gonna be, we take them on. When our program is it's the first half of our program is very generic because it's just going to give you general stuff about apostleship. Now, if you want to go into that specialist slash expertise, then that's a whole different thing, and that requires a, 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 a in-depth and intricate knowledge of the field that you're entering, and that's any industry. It doesn't make a difference whether it's the world or the industry of ministry. Ministry is an industry. Trust me. So, when you think about that, so what they're calling being in the office is not what they actually have is their natural attributes. So they enter the office on, on their calling and not their choosing. Because when God chooses you, he chooses that which A is a be. He calls everybody so he can sit on the shore and, sit and separate the, the wannabes from the gonabies. He does that. Uh-huh. So he, but when he he knows, for example, a wannabe will usually not last in our program about three months if they last that long. Right. A person who's running on their gift and talent 
and calling calling themselves calling themselves an officer of the goddess. If that's what they're doing, they don't last. They're going to change the rules. I always know a wannabe because wannabes want to change the rules. Wannabes want to relax it. Wannabes want to shorten the program. Wannabes want quick, fast, and a hurry. Those are wannabes, not gonabes, because gonabes know that they're called to be guardians. And they're the conditions to keep that which has been entrusted to you. So I have, a, I meet a lot of people. I don't even deal with that. I'm like, you don't even know God enough to know that you can't keep his kingdom because you don't care enough about whether he keeps it. What you care about is your anointing. What you care about is your opportunity. What you care about is your gifted. What you care about is people, the prestige, and people flocking to you as an invitation of what God really wants to make you. Mm. And so, you know, like they're just a type. Because remember, entitled people, we're talking about entitled people. You know, entitled people don't think they should do anything for their title. <laughs> That's why they're entitled. They have an entitlement mentality. They don't think they should do anything for their title. They feel that. So now, but if you are going to be serious about anything, you are a nurse. Is that right? And you have, you can probably tell me from childhood how you cared about people, how you used to respond to people's suffering, how you used to feel when somebody, and you wanted to help people, and when you're, somebody in your family was sick, you wanted to bring the medicine, and you wanted to do all of these things. You can probably tell me stories about that, can't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But does that make you an nurse? No. Why not? <laughs> Go to school and educate and train. And Why? Because you had it in you. But you had it in you. You know? You had it in you. Didn't you? You, you? you knew how to put on a band aid, clean a sore. Didn't you know how to do that? There are a lot of principles and uh, training you have to go through to actually become a Right. How many of you all, you are in an insurance agent, is that right? And you believed in helping people cover their cars, etc. And so you were able to help your friends by guiding them right. to the insurance, but you couldn't do it. No, absolutely not. But why couldn't you do it? I mean, come on. I'm still going to train. Still going to train. And you needed something else. Both of you all needed something else called credentials. Yes. And credentials say that you are safe for public consumption. Yes. So that somebody has verified your safety. Somebody, some organization has checked your your abilities and measured it against the public safety criteria Uh and said, you meet our standards. And we're going to credential you for one year. (laughs) All that. All that. Again, for one year. And so the same thing, Um, Rachel, you do have, is that right? And you probably were playing with your little dolly hair since you were a kid, weren't you? So why couldn't you just go and open up your shop? Well, because, first of all, there's, uh, people can sue you if you mess up. <laughs> people can sue you if you mess up their hair, their skin, or something like that. Or if you're not, like you said, if you don't have a license to do it, mm-hmm. then if you mess up, they can sue you. Like, but even if you do have a license, they can still sue you because that's what the whole point of the license is. You didn't do their hair according to the training, according to the way that you're supposed to do it as the hairstylist or whatever. So now we're talking about public safety and provider safety. Uh, yeah. Public safety and provider safety. So you are, but see, because the ch- 
church has no oversight or uniform perception or a, a, what do you call it, institution for the prophetic, we, everybody is like, you know, hey, prophesy at your own risk, act on it at your own risk. And it's, so it's a risk-laden practice and institution today, all about risk, jeopardizing people's lives. Isn't that something? So we talk about all of these professionals. So to, to do hair, now we all do our hair every day at home, don't we? We do our hair every single day. We can wash it. We can put stuff on it. If we burn it out, it's on us. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> we do wash through us. But instead, we just go to the wig store and get us some wigs. And so the point that I want you to recognize is that for some, for a, a uh, literally, for a body of professionals who affect people's eternal life, eternal existence, there are no credentials, no criteria, no metrics, and people who have a problem with it have no recourse. That's right. That can't be the Lord. Yeah. Any more questions coming up? Um, can people misidentify an apostolic prophet for an apostle? What are the traits of an apostolic prophet? Don't worry about it. In a minute, we're going to give you a nice, a nice explanation of that. Because we got what I think is one of the highest, the highest officials on that subject. You had a chance for the mic, and then we're going to go to you, Chief. Okay. Um, I, when you were talking earlier about the difference between the ecclesial apostles. Um, you also had talked previously about the administration, I mean the administration versus the government. Um, in the two in the particular office, how you can either be an administrative prophet or a governmental prophet. Mm-hmm. Is that the kind of the same thing like being it is okay. It is Ephesians four eleven gives you room to be a, uh, an administrative prophet under non-prophetic leaders. That's because it says he gave some. But the government may or may not be in your purview, government of that organization. For example, if you were made an apostle by a bishop, and if just, just now working in the, the customary or norm of, uh, of appointment and installation, if you were made an apostle by a bishop, then that bishop's government is what you come under. Mm-hmm. Now, humans may not care, Christians may not know enough to care, but the God cares and his spiritual world cares. So they're never going to give you the, the impetus, if you will, of uh, being a legislative because everything that you would want to legislate, you have to clear through that bishop. Is that right? Because that bishop is like, this is my uh-uh. No. Now, there are people who are appointed, and then you just go your way the way we have done pastors and evangelists, and that's part of the mess. But God knows you're out of order. And see, when you're out of order, God limits, and he restricts your latitude. Because you become an ad, he begins to use you, and this is his word right now, on an as-needed basis. 
See, so you become as needed. So that's Ephesians 4.11. That's why it doesn't surprise me that the evangelical world rested on Ephesians 4.11 because it's ecclesial. And, and literally spurns 1 Corinthians 12, 28 and 29, the legislative and governmental leader. Because before we got the fivefold, we needed the threefold. Because the threefold oversees the fivefold. Huh. If, we do, if we're doing it the way heaven. Because, see, we're trying to say this is God and it's not God. The modern church is ecclesial because it's evangelical. So it's all about evangelizing. It's not about sanctifying. It's not about securing. It's not about safeguarding. Because all of those are governmental things, and those fall under the purview of the throne of Christ. Because, see, they're under the throne of Christ and not literally just the connection to Jesus Christ or the coverage. Well, we just, uh, we're just all doing Jesus. That's why they teach people to do Jesus any way they want. <coughs> they teach people to do Jesus any way they want because they don't have a mind for his kingdom or his government. And if they do, they don't know how to implement it. For example, the prop, the prop, most of the apostles will never unite to be, to be anything but ecclesial. That's why they talk about ecclesia, they talk about church, they talk about soul winning, they talk about salvation, they mention kingdom, ignore the king. You see how that works. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, which one am I going first? The prophet. Yeah, that's what the, yeah, they have that question. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure. Make sure. Okay. Um, uh, I think that uh, when it comes to an apostolic prophet, one of the easiest ways to understand it is that you have. Um, Are you on? I am. Yeah, I'm on. They can, y'all can hear. Yeah. Oh, back to you. Just to um, so I think one of the easiest ways to answer that is understanding the attributes versus the mantle and the function. Because you can carry a lot of attributes when you're an apostolic prophet for the purpose of being able to properly assist or support what an apostle does to help them prophetically facilitate their commission or their dispensation of the plan. But you don't have those mantle functions and licenses and privileges and all of that that comes with being there. Because we throw people into offices mm-hmm. and thinking that it doesn't matter because as, as, as long as I acknowledge that about you, then that means that you can do it. But that's not true for heaven. Because when heaven recognizes you and acknowledges you, clearly there are some corresponding signs and wonders. I mean, I think there's some genuine reasons why we haven't seen a lot of the replica of, of the uh, founding apostles and prophets of Scripture. And I think you did an excellent job, I don't know if you can call this, of distinguishing, and this is important for this generation, distinguishing the signs and wonders that follow all those that believe versus the functions and authorities and powers given in office. Mm-hmm. Because people feel like, well, I, you had this competition, actually. Well, I lay hands on somebody, and they said they got healed. Well, you lay hands on somebody and said they got healed. So what does it matter? We don't need titles. We in the office. We both healed somebody. Mm-hmm. And I think that because we can't make those kind of distinctions, it's easy for people who have attributes to throw themselves in various offices. And then when they reach that, that thing, okay, mm-hmm. that warfare, yeah. mm-hmm. can we just talk about the, the warfare and the opposition that separates the men from the boys? Mm-hmm. Then we can, that's when we find out what, what the office does versus the attributes. Mm-hmm. So as an apostolic prophet, I have a lot of those attributes, but when it comes to apostleship, you have the mantle, and of course, you're walking in that authority. And that mantle will give you a license to act. 
beyond that. Mm-hmm. Okay, Paul and Silas walking together. Great. Paul, Silas is helping him. First of all, he going to do it. Okay. Well, you went through it, man. It's true. We're in jail together. We're going to sing and pray our way out together. But the Bible says that God brought unusual miracles by Paul, mm-hmm. not Silas. Yeah. And I think that that's worth knowing because Paul's assignment and position necessitated a different kind of authority. Okay, than what prophets do. Mm-hmm. And we have our own, and it's, and it's very, uh, it can become very tricky because the both seem like they walk neck and neck a lot in terms of how the mantles function because they're so complement. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We're not equals, we're complements. And I think that that's what people almost forget about the two. Mm-hmm. And because that happens, they really do get confused on that front. But the way we are designed to function as prophets is very different. Yeah. Because our, our mantle is different. And, and Dr. Price and I fell into this naturally, not recognizing how much of the biblical order that God just, uh, you know, caused us to, hey, you mm-hmm. know, by faith, come into. But I will, I will see something in the spirit, get a revelation on something that is either coming or that's there and that's present. Dr. Price turns that into an institution. It's true. Because of how her mindset as an apostle, going back to what you said, the differences are, mm-hmm. even in, even within Ephesians, I mean, I'm sorry, First Corinthians 12, because apostles naturally legislate. We naturally mm-hmm. enforce. So my first reaction to seeing a threat is I'm going to take it out. We, it's done. Her first reaction is, boom, this is, we, we need to govern. We need to govern this. We need to come on. We have to have a pattern, a sequence, a tradition, a policy, procedure, something that's going to perpetuate. Because, you know, prophets are ready like, boom, that ain't not. <laughs> and we do not We call people witches and churches and kids. We call people Jezebel and knock them out. You know, because our idea is not
your approach to the prophetic was government. Yeah. When you gave us constructing, it was how do you govern? How do you know? You need a manual. You need rules. You need policies. You need you need examples. You need patterns. You need sequences because that's how apostles think, mm-hmm. and that comes innate. Like she talked about with you, that there were things in your childhood that innately drove you towards nursing. Well, there are things in your childhood, since we are who we are from the womb, apostles and prophets included, that will innately drive you towards that office. And so she automatically didn't think about, because most people, when they write books about prophecies, about prophecy, about how to use your gifts, how to use your mouth, how to speak, how to hear. No, no, no. This person thought about government, regulation, and doing that. And having said that, I have a question, because we do have people who often say, well, I know I was, um, I had, there were times when I operated in the prophet's office. And I always freeze on that statement, because I'm thinking, that's the thing that you were a nurse some days out of the week, but not all the days. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when you worked for a hospital, I was only a nurse these days. But in other days, I wasn't a nurse. That's a weird statement when you're hired for a job and you've been appointed to a position. So are there times that people can just randomly say, I have a moment when I'm operating in the office, or is this a simple uh, spirit of prophecy, gift of prophecy moment, the Holy Ghost is coming upon you, endowing you for that particular assignment, and then leaving? Well, I think for people to say that, and I used to have that, but I told you I'm getting older now. And so my question is, what do you consider to be the prophet's office? Because I need to know what you call an office. Because if you're calling a function or an action an office, then that is kind of like crazy because it's kind of like her saying that when I feel like that I operate in the prophet's or the nurse's office, um, when I feel like it. So when I feel like it, I go into the OR, I go into the, the neonatal, I just go and do stuff. Nobody does it. First of all, every institution has to have people who delegate yes. authority, who assign you tasks and dispatch you to do. Right. That's, that's normal. Most people who say that they're in the office can't even talk on that level. Right. So I already know you're not in the office. Just, so you're just, I mean, come on. We need to stop pandering to people's errors. Okay. <laughs> And, and, and pandering to their aspiration and their wistfulness. People are wistfully calling themselves what they want because they're looking at what they like and they're enamored with what they see, not even being aware of what is needed and what God has done. So you have to separate wistfulness and aspiration from inspiration. So that's the first thing. Secondly, we need to talk about it, and you and I talk about it a lot. We're going to do a whole show on what an office actually is does, because the first thing an office does is belong to an institution. About it. So if you freelance, then you're not in the office. So that's the first thing. Now, when you need to understand that in ancient times, the office was always in the person. But because it was in the person, the person was then recognized as an officer and established in an institution and delegated not just power and authority, which we like to exploit, we talk about exploit, but they were delegated weighty responsibilities that could cost them their life if they fail or cost a nation its freedom if they defected or if they erred. So, you have to recognize that, you know, the church is good for buzzwords, especially word of faith, charismatic church, they're good for buzzwords. You know, we just want to take that buzzword. I'm in the office. Tell me what that looks like. Tell me what office. And who owns that office? Well, I got this directly from Jesus, and why aren't you bearing his fruit? 
Because right now, you sound like the world. Right now, you're bringing sinners in and saying that you saved them or you sanctified them. Right now, you're dressing like the world, calling yourself an apostle of Jesus Christ, who destroyed the God that influenced you to do that on the cross and in heaven. So, no, you're not in the office. You're, you're, you're operating on your admiration, your aspiration. You're operating on your wistfulness. <laughs> Well, you know, you said something very powerful. I just want to chime in on that. Even when you were giving the initial explanation of this, and that is every industry and professional has a sound and a language that goes with their duties, operations, and functions. I mean, could you or could you not identify a faking nurse as a heartbeat if you ask them very particular questions about what the job is to do? Oh, so what is the protocol for when you walk into a room and have to do that without? And then they can't tell you if they haven't been to school. So then you know in a heartbeat that that person is perpetrating. I don't understand why we are not feeling that way about these offices. And maybe because of how they came up. You often say that in uh, uh, not constructing in, in um, handbook. You know the way it emerged mm-hmm. under the pastoral paradigm caused us to make first of all they forced prophets to act like pastors. They did. Yeah. And, and pastors ruined yeah. ruled them and ruined them. Ruled and ruined them, right? Because we're you know, that's like a doctor trying to raise a car. It's like, are you kidding me? I'm out here to protect. I gotta go get criminals, and you're trying to tell me about how I need to save lives. Or the EMT saying that I can instruct and correct the ending. Yes, right. Yeah. You're an EMT. Yeah. You, you, you were just to get us to the hospital. Thank you. Thank and your training kind of levels off. But I think that the language piece is important because we should recognize professional. And, I mean, it's just, I think the same goes true, is true for the Christianity. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a language and sound to a person that's authentic. And the fact that we're arguing that today is crazy. I'm like, what? There's a language here. I mean, if you can spot a fake lawyer, my God, you should be able to spot a fake apostle. And a fake Christian. And a fake Christian. You know what a true one is. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's but right. we have to settle that matter. That's true. We are redefining, mm-hmm. trying to redefine that. But I think it's And you know why? Thing. Because apostles and prophets are not really pulling on their duty to separate the wheat from the chaff, the pedigree from the mystery. And, and, and us knowing that is our duty, because again, they're trying to make us pastors, they're trying to make us evangelists, they're trying to make us operate like something else. You know what I mean? And it's like you, when you're a professional, somebody tries to make you, and even in demeanor and personality, operate contrary to what your job is. I mean, that throws you off. You're condemned. You're you're legalistic. You're judgmental. You're the plain prophet. You're the cop. And it, it took me a while to understand. Wait a minute, but we're supposed to be the cops of the kingdom. I think one of the most mm-hmm. profound things you said to a broken prophet was. Well, everybody's always on me about being rigid. They're always on me about being too tough, too hard, too this, too that. And they always tell me that i got to find grace, i got to find compassion, whatever. And you said, that's not your job. Mm-mm. I thought the person was going to fall out the chair. Mm-hmm. Because it, it never dawned on them that what? Your job is doing. not the pastor's job. The Thank pastor's you. job is to bind up, rub you up, and make you feel good. The prophet's job is two things, enforce and enact. So the prophet is supposed to enforce an enact, which is why when God's kingdom gets in trouble, he pulls those prophets up because they are the battle line. They are the warriors. They are the ones that's going to use the sword of the Lord to cut off your little warts, to cut off your little witch warts, because we need to cut them off. Baby, hallelujah, yes, 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 yes. And I want you to understand, you need your little witch warts cut off, and that's what a prophet is going to do. We're going to need to literally suck out, truly, your sorcerous pus, because you got some sorcery pus in your body. So we need to 
what y'all is. Y'all just oozing sorcery, oozing. And you, you don't even know that you're doing that. You know, God is a sugar. We got to be, you know. See, the prophet is going to do that. The prophet is going to reset your limbs because he said all your joints are out of joint. All your bones are out of joint because you have been stretched and knocked out of place. You're disaligned from the Holy Ghost. That's what the prophet is supposed to do. The prophet is supposed to come into that mysticism that you have, and they're supposed to massacre your mysticism. That's what they do. We are massacring that mysticism. See, because, you know, right now, we got, you know, Satan think he won this thing. And, honey, that's why they're, like, ignoring us and whatever. And, no, we don't want to put Paula Price on big television because she's going to mess with us. Let me tell you something, Paula Price on own television. You need to write that down because I said it. I'm going to own this thing because what God is about to do is going to stun the world. And I promise you, devils going to howl and flee like they have been thrown in the fire. Because that's the will of God. Because God is not ready. He does not raise up prophets, and he does not summon his apostles if he is not going to act. And all of y'all who think that he only did it for four years, you need to think again. That is not what God is doing. I'm telling you, because you need to know. Because, see, I took consciousness. See, you all have no character because you have no consciousness. Woo! See, because character comes from consciousness. That is not who I am. That is not what I do. I'm not called to that. I'm not built for that. I'm built for this. And I'm telling you, and, and I know it because I've already gone through 35 years of hell. Ask me what I have. You done heard my story. Come on, somebody. I mean, let, come on. Once you defeat a thing, you rule it. See, you, you, you rule that. And so I'm like, we've already done it. So consciousness, their character. I, I didn't worry about their character because when I started working that consciousness, it imprinted, because character means imprinted, and it imprinted itself on their character. So I don't have to talk about, you know, y'all can't do this and y'all can't do that. Are you kidding me? I'm like, how is it you doing that? What devil, that's why, what did Peter say to Ananias and said, why? why did you let Satan put it in your heart? Because that consciousness is important. You will never be a better apostle than you have the consciousness of the great apostle, Jesus Christ, of the 12, that he put his own consciousness in. Let his mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with who? With God. These, these occultists are, are sitting there talking about fallen God. Fallen. And we got the only true and living God. Every other God is dead. That's why we are. The, he says, I'm the only true and living God. He says, so everything in me is alive. Everything else outside of me is dead. How, how do I know? Jesus, how do you know it's dead? He's like, because we killed it. We're going to give you some time while we got time. Well, I, I, I was going to actually speak on the capability and consciousness piece. I think that just connecting the dots for what you're saying, then capability then performs and consciousness can produce. Exactly. There is a difference, you know, <coughs> consciousness can generate um, and can and can also reproduce after its own kind versus a capability that can just imitate. You talked about are you producing or are you imitating? And I think that that's an important conversation 
in this when we're talking about right now, especially in, in our conversation that has been is that authentic, right? Mm-hmm. Today we talk about the authentic officer. We've been talking about the authentic, authentic Christian. I was just even thinking about that going all the way back to organic. You know, that we, we need, even what you started in 2016 with organic Christianity, all of that uh, begin teaching our organic community that right this moment, which mm-hmm. is even what we're battling. Um, but I think that that capability consciousness conversation is really important because you, you, you talked about today that it really is about a product. Um, so that, that officer that can't produce, we have to then question, are they capable or do they have a consciousness for their position? That's powerful. And when you look at it, and I, I know I've discussed it in the handbook and in other writings, but when you think about it, the prophets of old were validated by what they could make happen, even when their word was resistant. That's it. Yes. Given the time. They could make it so. And people measure profits not by what they said, but what their words manufactured in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ or Yahweh at that time. So today, we, this is, that's why I know it's Greco-Roman. It's a Greco-Roman model. It's all about saying, seeing and saying, seeing and saying, and not about seeing, saying, materializing. We have a whole class in our training called Manifest Prophetics where we talk about how the prophet can supposed to manifest prophetic. Case in point, and then we'll let you, I know you got something, but how the prophet will do it. Here's what I realized. I realized that once I read that prophets are, were considered false or were considered, well, really just false, when their words did not bring anything into existence. So when I prophesied to them, when I first met them, I didn't know that I was prophesying their, I thought I was prophesying their destiny, but they're here today because that prophecy out of my mouth embodies vessels for the earth. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you say things like that, like, and I, I've had people, when we had our, um, when we were operating on our kind of, um, what is it, our governor. Here. Now, I don't know the guy. Don't know him. I, I, I didn't know him. I never heard of him before. Haven't spoken to him since. But I walked, I came in my house, I walked past my television, and he had a commercial on. And he was wearing this blue suit, and, I mean, blue shirt. And he was doing, you know, the kind of family thing. And I said, God said, that's the, that's the next governor. I said, really? Because I don't know him. And I said, but, and I looked at it. And when I said it, when he said that, because, you know, you need to see what the spirit is doing versus what. And the mantle of the governor came down and fell on that man at that moment. So I said, well, that's great. Isn't that wonderful? And so, um, and I told one of, the, one of the organization people here, and, of course, he was like, you know, who do you know? Because people think that if you're going to be an active prophet, you need to be six foot, six foot two, blonde hair, and blue eyes, and male. And a lot of zeros. And a lot of zeros. Because if you don't have zeros, you don't have the word. So, he just kind of, you know, blew it off. And so she and I were talking, and so she was running down. We were, like, coming down to the wire, and she was just running down what all the candidates were doing and whatever. And so she gave me a piece of information, but it was contrary to God, talking about manifesting. And so when she gave me that information, I said, oh, that's not true. See, a real prophet is going to tell you, that's not true. Satan will inject a lie to get other people to counter prophesy. And so he, he, he injected a lot of error in that calculation. And I said, that's not God. God told me this man is going to be the governor. And I began to do battle with his opposition. 
said about the word of God not falling to the ground of the So I was like, the devil is a liar, and she will tell you, we've got the slamming and carrying on. And I'm telling you, God shifted that. See, prophets are supposed to shift the darkness to and, and, and repent it with the light. We are too busy ending the darkness, fantasizing about the darkness, yes. loving the darkness, and trying to save the wicked and curse the saints. See, I got a problem with that. All of that, that Facebook over this Kanye stuff, that is saving the wicked and cursing the saints. So we can condemn what God achieved, and then we can give somebody who gave him their behind the kiss the benefit of salvation without being a pedigree. And so I was like, no, I'm not, no, 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 because a true prophet, and I speak to you prophets, you stop letting the prophets of Satan override and overrule the righteousness of Christ or steal his inheritance. You need to call these kids out of these seats, call them out of their high seats, call them out of their wealth, call them out of these churches, call them out of these pulpits. You are the prophets of the almighty God, you who are prophets, you can take this thing down. Stop sitting around talking about what you're going to do. And enroll in Christ University and we'll help you. I'm serious. I take them out. I don't let them stand no seat. Well, you know, he just, people are following him. They're following him because you haven't redirected them. Call them away from these frivolous churches, these frivolous pastors, these childish leaders. God gives you a mandate. Call these childish leaders out of his seat. And put that in there that God wants. Stop talking about walking around all disappointed and depressed and start saying, this is wrong. When I see it, what she'll tell you, I'll say, that's an error because I didn't call for that. I called for this. And I'm telling you, they'll tell you, I do it with the weather. I do it with any. Uh, I'm telling you because consciousness, consciousness is what gives you competence. And courage. Without consciousness, you will have no courage. And I'm telling you, your courage comes from knowing that this is who I am, this is why I exist, this is why God made me. Oh, no, you're not doing that. I'm not having it. I told you when this, when this president was getting elected, the Tuesday, 2.30 in the afternoon, he said, Paula, they're doing this, this, and this. I need you to change it. He does that because God can speak all day long. But unless people have ears that's based on him, so they need physical voices. To overturn satanic edicts. I don't care what he says. I'm telling you, God woke me up this week. I was like, God, but they said, He's not on. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. He ran his plan down. I said, Well, God, that's your plan. We, hey, we need to hold on because we get ready to win. I'm telling you. And many of you out there, God has told you, stop being a coward. Stop cowering to this thing. I don't care what they say. I am so excited about the, the Christians who are saying, we taking back Hollywood. I pray for you. I push you forward in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I rise up adversaries against your enemy. I rise up adversaries against your opposition. We push back on this darkness. I give you backers. I give you funders. I give you actors. I give you faith in the name of Jesus. We're not doing it. I come against the devil that thinks he owns education. We get the future from you. You are tra- you're not taking our future. And all of y'all that think you're taking Americans down, you better go and pay your insurance up because it's not going to work. In the name of Jesus, that's what we do. We don't back down. We push harder. We don't do it. I'm 
I'm not doing it. When I found out greater is he that's in me, and I realized that I looked in me and he was in there, I said, oh, come on. He all in there saying all great. Yes, I did. I do. Because you know what? I looked in me and I said, oh, Jesus. You know, I'm lost already. Yes, I did. I don't walk around. I can't. And I'm telling you, they come. Because I'm in the middle of the night. They, they sit there. They know witchcraft things. And you know what I do? I send it to cleave to them, their kids, and their generations until they turn to Christ. I will not. I send it back. I won't let them win. No, I send it back. All of them. And I will continue to send it back. Because I am the highest authority. I'm the sitting authority in this matter. And the consciousness. And because I am, devils have got to disobey them and obey me. That is the word of the Lord, because that is what we do. I give you power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. You will tread on serpents and scorpions. I want you to understand all power has been given to Jesus Christ in heaven and earth. And because they took you out the Bible, you didn't get a chance to find that out. But see, I didn't buy the law. I ain't drink the Kool-Aid, baby. I opened my Bible and read it. That's right. I read my Bible. And consciousness to you in churches that are literally hitting your subconscious and talking to you to literally become what Satan wants. You with pastors who were afraid and bowed out, and so you are. You're sitting there with children who are can't even spell consciousness. You're putting somebody in power when psychology itself says the, the judgment center is not set until they're 29, 30 years old. And you got some running churches and whatnot. You wonder why the boy killed himself and why the 10 to 34-year-olds are killing themselves. You know why? Because you won't let them grow up. Because Satan has talked you into turning your children over to them and turning your, you sitting there, devils are teaching your kids, and you're sitting there dressing them up every day, going to work, putting your kids on the altar of hell, and they're mad because God won't, God won't get involved. God's like, hey, not on me. Not on me. They're your kids. Now, if you want me to keep your kids, you need to give your kids to me and keep your kid in me. If not, you're going to take me off the hook. Greater is he that's in me. He just, my consciousness is that I sit in the highest seat. And if I'm in the highest seat, and he, God has already told me that I tread on serpents and scorpions, I am the highest authority. Now, you sit there and say, well, yeah, but you know, they, they, they are only in government because you let them. But I want you to understand that before there was an earthly government, there's a God who rules in the kingdom of men. I'm on his staff. I sit beside him. Thank you. We don't have a lot of time because, you know, I'm all over, but I just want to say this to you because you all, you're going to have to make up your mind that you're going to be an official of the Godhead and you're not going to be the, the knockoff of Satan. Because when God, see, the only, when God, if he was going to do something, he was going to do something. He's been doing it. He's been getting me ready for 35 years. I've been getting them ready for 20. Who else is he getting ready? Woo, come on. Because God's ready to take the land. You can write that in your journal. God is ready to take the land. I'm telling you. Now, it's going to be messy. It's going to be fussy. And it's going to be right. I'm telling you. If y'all want to know, don't you want to do something? Don't I need to come on, bless you, All right, we're going to take the offering. (laughs) All right, so next it's time to give all that word. You know, it was powerful today. You can give via text to give 918 366-25, all right? And Rachel's putting that on the screen for you guys. And then you can do paypal.me slash Dr. Paul Price. You can also do cash app to give today. The handle there is Dr. Paul Price, of course, 
with the dollar sign. If you're a Cash App user, you already know about the handles. But her handle there is Dr. Paul Price on Cash App, paypal.me slash Dr. Paul Price, or the text to give, and that number's on your screen right now for text to give on YouTube for you guys, 918-203-6625 for text to give. Well, we've come to the end, and I thank you for joining me. Do me a favor. Share, share, share. If you are a prophet, if you're an apostle, if you are an apostolic or prophetic educator, if you are an apostolic or prophetic leader, if you're a sheep of Jesus Christ, come on, just go share this. Share, 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 and share again. And then after you share, share some more because God is taking back the land. You better know that because I'm telling you, this man's like, I'm not going out like this, and I told you the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. So we need to see what his pushback plan is so that we can look forward to the church's comeback. God bless you. See you Sunday, 8 a.m. at the Congregation of the Mighty where God stands, and you can catch me at 10 a.m. at the Congregation of the Mighty where I continue to take on the deception that wants to crush our God's church. You're going to treat him good this weekend. I feel it in my bones. You're going to treat Jesus real good. God bless you.